yeah. know how you can look at you can look at the curve and like in three or four months we're gonna be facing like two thousand cases a day. Yeah, and I'm gonna talk about that. Uh, I'm gonna talk about that uh, in question. You know, I listed some of these questions for me as a reminder what I'm supposed to cover. Um, okay. And if I if I miss any of them, uh, you can always ask me. But you know, I, I just wanted to like answer all the. Um, um, all the W's and one H, you know, all the why, uh, when, <laughs> yeah, all whom, the et cetera, yeah. Why, where, and okay. Yeah, et cetera, yeah. All right, okay. I'm gonna hit record now and yeah. we can keep going. Okay, this is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager. I'm here with Vicky, who is a Singaporean resident who's also lived in France. And we're gonna talk about Singapore and the pandemic and also what it's like to live in a city state. Okay, Vicky, why don't you get us started off? Hi everyone. Um, welcome to Singapore right, right now. Uh, today is the 17th of November and I believe at your time is 10 a.m. and my time is 11 p.m. So a good evening and a good morning to everyone. So you would, okay. yep. No, go ahead. Okay, um, today the pandemic in uh, Singapore. I would like to um, share with you, uh, Ben, how it all started. The first case in Singapore started on the 24th of January. Um, and and this was a cluster and it, it it wasn't detected in Singapore okay there was a huge conference in the Grand Hyatt and you know the Grand Hyatt is owned by the Americans it's an international conference I think over a hundred people but I think there are about uh, more than 10 people got infected and then they went all over the world okay these like 10 people right and the neighboring country Malaysia told us that one of the case um, went there and then you know and then immediately the Singapore government um, took the took rapid action um, for contact tracing and it stopped the spread so it was kind of controlled in the clusters but I, but for today I would like to um, tell all your all of your listeners um, we've already got seven days of having zero case of local transmission. So locally, we've got seven uh, days of zero cases, zero positive cases. Um, and the cases that are um, recorded are people who are coming in by the flights. So there are seven cases that are imported. Um, I mean, they, some of them are Singaporeans, some of them are, are, are foreigners, they're working here, they're coming back here. But these people are quarantined. So it is still, a, a, I mean, it is still 100% um, contained. So people are still really safe, but everyone is in mask. Um, so this is the situation in Singapore now. What else would right. you like to know? Yeah. Well, I guess, like, tell us about how Singapore uh, basically how you were able to contain this virus so well because like in America in some places in this country wearing a mask is is uh, seen as very socially unacceptable even yeah. now it's 
Yeah. It's really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would like to share uh, with you, uh, Ben. Now, it has got to do a lot of.、Um, there's a lot of cultural difference here.、Um, in Singapore,、um, the people number one, they respect the law, and there's trust with the government. Number two, and number three, there is a there is respect and concern for your neighbors.、Um, And I think these three fundamental principles underpin how the whole society reacted. So when the first case was in Singapore,、um, there wasn't a mandatory、uh, law for everyone to wear the mask. However, the lockdown happened in Singapore on the sixth of April, when a lot of countries were in lockdown. I think in America, in Europe.、Uh, Uh, even in 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 Europe, in Italy, in France, the the lockdown started in the early part of March, and then in America it was、um, mid part of March. Here, the cases only spiked after April, so we do only see like single digits,、uh, double digits at that time. So what happened was there was a whole host of the whole government came in together to have this、uh, huge multitask、um, task force. That came in to stop the pandemic, and you know how it worked. It's like they have all these police、um, who were trained in FBI. Okay, they actually trace every case, and it was reported. And you can see that they trace to、um, the neighbors, the taxi drivers,、um, the market,、um, everyone. So everyone was quarantined. All right. And、um, immediately the police came into effect. They were doing all the calls. They were verifying the people. Where were you? Da 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 da. And immediately the whole of the police force plus the medical force—I call them people at the front line—they were all in action. So from the first case that were clocked on the twenty-fourth of January, the whole of the government went into action. But one thing I would like to say、um, to you is that while the government was in frantic, they had all these things in place, right? The rest of the Singapore um, community um, were largely still living their lives, meaning they were advised to wear mask, mask, and they were advised to stay home. But however, people largely still lived their lives. Um, they still went to the shops. They still、um, went to school, etc. Now the case only、uh, started to spike after the lockdown because the curve was going up. But at that time,、uh, largely Singapore, Singapore was still in, I should say, the old normal, right? Because the people knew that the government and the police, the FBI, were tracing the cases. And、uh, the medical teams were all like locking all these people, all of all these cases up. Now, how did the people? Now, yeah. Hold on. I think I should clarify、yep. that the FBI is a Singaporean agency. Okay, I would say that the American. American. Yeah, I would say that the American Singaporean equivalent of the FBI. It is called the CID、okay. here. Okay, it is called okay. the CID here because they were、okay. trained. 
for tracing, right? We've got this whole team of people. And when the news came out to show over a hundred police people, they were just calling the people, tracing the people, asking where were you at this time, etc., etc. So they were tracing the whole um, uh, footprint of where the cases went. And um, I don't think there was there were any dispute that people who were contacted were isolated, and they knew they have the social responsibility to isolate themselves. And I think the important thing to mention is, in this part of the world, in Singapore, because we have got this uh, mentality of taking care of your neighbor, taking care of your family, that collective uh, mentality that not to harm your neighbor, which is so much entrenched into the psyche, um, people voluntarily do that respons- responsibly. Um, I would say that there's a lot of emphasis on social responsibility, a community responsibility. And I was, in fact, at the end of January, because I was reading all these news that were coming out in Europe by the scientists and the grass were coming up, um, and the graphs were showing that um, this, the, tra- the, the trajectory of the numbers is going to spike if there were no intervention by the government, right? And it went all the way up. And at that time, nobody believed the scientists because they were saying, how could this be so? But I, were, I was reading all these news and I printed out the news and I gave to my neighbours and, and, and largely people were just like sharing, hey, um, is, this, is this going to be another case of the SARS case? Da, 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 you know, People were just talking and people just wanted to inform your neighbours. And, and I was giving out the mask to my friends and to my neighbours. And uh, the neighbours were just sharing the news because everyone was trying to be concerned for everyone. So here in this part of the world, there is a, a level of consciousness that we need to take care of our neighbours. And we need to take care of ourselves and our neighbors and our family. So there is the sense of um, personal responsibility and neighborhood responsibility that permeates through the whole society. And I think that's how the society of Singapore or in Asia responded. Like, um, I got to take care of you for me to be safe. And because we're talking about infectious disease. And there's a lot of science behind. And um, even though um, the government was doing a good job before the lockdown, people were still going through their lives. But however, the numbers were starting to spike because of um, certain clusters, right? And I need you and the listeners to understand Singapore is a really small island. You drive like an hour um, from the west to the east, across just about 40 kilometers, right? Um, and we've got a, we've got population of um, 7 million people, um, 4 million uh, locally born and bred here, uh, and about 2 million of uh, expatriates, a lot of them from Europe and America. We've got the biggest bank, American banks here, Citibank, Standard Chartered, etc. Um, and the biggest um, uh, 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 venture capitalist located here in Singapore, the headquarters. Um, and we've got the biggest, huge American manufacturers here. You name it, they're all here, right? Um, GlaxoSmithKline, Pfizer, um, ExxonMobil, 
um, all the big brand names are here because Singapore is really like the headquarters of Asia for these big brand names. So now back to the story. Um, so this is a really packed, um, highly uh, dense country um, with a population of density that's one of the highest in the world in a really small island. Um, and we've got lots of foreign immigrant workers who live in the dormitories, unfortunately. Um, they, came from, they come from many parts of the world, usually third world countries. Um, and, they, and they were living in this highly packed dormitories, like six stories, and you've got like thousands of them staying there. And the cases spiked there, um, and it went to like thousands of, of the immigrants. And now sad to say, it affected a lot of the population of the foreign uh, immigrant workers there. And um, some of the stories didn't go well. However, um, it went up and the cases um, for Singapore now stands about 58,000. Um, about 90% of these cases were in the foreign um, uh, workers' dormitories, um, sad to say. Um, and then, however, the government took control of the situation, isolated them, gave them uh, their wages. That The government paid them wages in full, and all of them were isolated, they were quarantined, and all of them were given food. And all of them were given free Wi-Fi to contact their families, either in India, in Bangladesh, or whichever countries they come from. So the, the numbers only went down, like, um, two months ago when um, the lock the lockdown um, uh, the lockdown was ceased on the 1st of June and then we went to phase 2 and since phase 2 started the cases were quite low in the community like for the last 7 days we've got zero cases um, in the community so the whole of the um, uh, government came in like a task force to took control of the situation and, and I would say that um, a good part of it, um, I, I would like to uh, applaud the government for doing a good job. And of course, it's not perfect. Um, there's a lot of people who are still um, questioning uh, certain policies, etc. But the laws quickly enacted that if you leave your home without a mask since the lockdown, right, in April, you will be charged in court or you will be penalized like heavy like 5000 singapore dollars and exchange rate is like 1.3 us dollars to uh, uh 1.3 singapore dollars to, to 1 us dollar so people will so find that's a lot of money yeah so that's an awful lot of money for people yeah to, to pay yeah that. you could charge you and and there are people and there and there are people charging court even today right so since the lockdown Okay, what, what happens in a lockdown? The, the laws were um, enacted. Um, you can't, uh, no, no, nobody could come into your house. All right, you've got to close your door. Um, you've got to wear a mask if you do leave your house to buy groceries. So essential travel was the only thing. And everyone was, uh, the, the schools were closed. Um, only essential work was allowed. Um, uh, public transport, was minimal it was still there but minimal um and you can't and and um yeah largely no one's supposed to come out of the house except for essential um 
shopping for for food, um, and restaurants were closed down. Okay, so the whole of the country kind of went into a shutdown mode. So that was phase one, but I think uh, it took the people about two weeks to get into that mode, um, that understanding um, the severity of the situation.、Um, but I think a lot of people were not in fear because the media was not、um, was not、uh, the media was not how should I say there weren't a lot of news. That talked about、um, how scary it was,、um, at least for this, at least for Singapore.、Um, the death rate till today was 28, and I did mention that、um, it really depends on the medical doctor in the hospital how they diagnose the case, whether it is、um, a, a direct, directly related,、uh, the death which is directly related to COVID. Or that it was indirectly related to COVID. It depends on the hospital or the doctor. So anyway,、um, registered cases that is due to、uh, COVID is 28,、uh, and it's kept that since uh, uh, for for quite many months. So the recovery rate,、um, I should say, is about 99%.、Um, we've got about 60,、um, 60 to 70 cases that's still active in the hospitals.、Um, Severity of the law, it played a huge part,、uh, Ben. Here,、um, the police were out in force.、Uh, if anyone is caught without a mask, the police is going to come after you immediately, or your neighbor is going to come after you because your neighbor is going to report you to the police, and that happens in Singapore, right?、Um, if someone knows that you are not wearing your mask. They would take a picture. They put it on social media, and you're kind of shamed, okay? And your picture goes out、um, into the internet. So there are cases whereby people were shamed、um, by the community because they weren't、uh, wearing the mask. But largely, there these are just cases. There, there's just few, far and few in between.、Um, and if you are a foreigner working in Singapore and you are caught. Uh, to flout to flout the law, not wearing a mask, and not social distancing, immediately your working visa is suspended, and you will be asked to leave the country immediately, and your job and your employer,、uh, like, you'll be cut. So that happened to many many、uh, expatriates here, and I'm talking I'm, and I'm talking about like British American. Expatriates, because we've got a good community of、um, European and, and Americans here, and now that that's a dichotomy, right? You've got these group of people who don't believe in some of them, right? A good part of them, or or a segment of them who did not want to wear mask, right?、And、a large part of them are not Asians, but there is a good part of the people here community believe in wearing the mask because. Um, Singaporeans like myself,、um, I wear my mask even pre-pandemic because of the pollution. We 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 are living in a highly densely populated city. You know, the、um, chemical from the environment,、um, chemical from the cars,、um, cigarette smoke, 
um, etc., etc. When you go to a shop, you go to the, the mall. There's so many people. You put on a mask. I mean, it's quite a common place here. Um, so it is acceptable social practice that people put on the mask because some people are, um, you know, they are they are they have low immunity. They've got medical problem. Um, they're older, or they just didn't want to have the pollution. So. When the government enacted the law for mandatory, uh, mandatory uh, ma- mask wearing, um, people accepted that, and uh, and and I should say that the community became the police. Like, if you see someone without a mask, you just take a picture and you just upload it to the to the internet. So, um, largely. Um, there isn't a problem about wearing masks uh, at all. Um, we never felt that it was a, it was like an encroachment of your freedom or an encroachment of your right. Um, it's never that at all. And I think also because people largely are informed, they do see the signs behind. People are not in panic or anxiety mode, uh, at least the people that I know. Uh, they may be a subset of uh, the people who are anxious, fearful, etc. But there's a good part of, of the people here who trusted the government because they were doing largely a very um, commendable job in contact tracing. And the contact tracing graphs were actually published every day. Where the people went, at what time, da-da-da, da-da-da, etc., etc. And people who have been to these places within that time, please isolate yourself. So everything was published uh, in the papers, even till uh, now, everything is published. So um, I think people respected that and people trusted the government and um, they know that uh, the situation has to be controlled in that manner. I mean, I don't think um, uh, anybody would have questioned uh, how the Singapore government uh, could not have done a better job. Uh, yes, there are failings. Um, there were a lot of uh, outbreaks in the dormitories. Um, that was outside the hands of of um, the public because they were living in private dormitories run by private organizations. But the government came in, took charge of the situation and paid all the workers to isolate themselves for the next couple of months. Don't leave we're still going to pay you your salary and we're going to give you food for free and we're going to give you uh, a free um, phone calls um, to call home to tell your family that you are safe, etc, etc. But there were unfortunate situations whereby um, the stress came in, the mental stress came in when people were locked down for long periods of time. There are, pay- there are cases where people jumped down the building. And I have to say that... Um, these are extreme cases because lockdowns are difficult for certain people. It, it may not be from the anxiety of the virus or the news, but it just kind of, your world just, your world just kind of closed in and collapsed. So um, I think the mental thing is something that um, the world has to address families and individuals have to address, but I think at that time, 
there's a flourish of um, online events that people can actually watch, um, talk to each other, um, workshops, etc. that came up even during that uh, lockdown period and even till now. So a lot of things were in transition online already. Um, it's very active. Um, companies have pivoted themselves to be online. Um, a lot of webinars, uh, Zoom uh, seminars, trainings. A large part of the lives are now um, in the new normal mode. Um, people have safe entry. Uh, there's a new law of safe entry I would like to tell uh, Ben is that whenever you go into um, uh, an enclosed um, area, it could be a restaurant, it could be a school, it could be a shop okay, or the mall, um, you have, it is mandated that you must put in this particular app uh, that like tracks where you are going. Okay, you go into the shop and you got to have a temperature taken. And of course, there are um, certain uh, um, unhappiness about privacy laws, right? Privacy. Um, that's why the government came up with this uh, new device that we are all going to collect this month. Um, and this device we're going to put in our pocket and to trace where we are. However, it will not break into the, your data unless there is a positive case um, in, that, in that gadget that we're going we're gonna to collect. Now, this gadget uses Bluetooth, right? If you're within, a, within uh, two meters of someone who's got the case, tested positive, then it will kind of beep, da-da-da-da-da, and then, you know, you'll be called by um, the Ministry of Health, and then you will surrender your beeper and then they will trace where you have been um, for the purpose of um, uh, tracing the other cases. So um, this is in place now and this is in place for Singapore to go into phase 3. Currently we're still in phase 2. So phase 3 will happen when 70% of the population collects this little device that traces where you are and your data will not be disclosed until um, you are being told that someone um, that you have been with that is within two meters of your vicinity. So um, until 70% of the population um, collects that gadget, uh, will we go into phase three, which is reopening of the economy? So what's, what happens with the economy now? Restaurants are open, right? You can sit into a restaurant, but there are new laws for social distancing in phase two. And the laws are only five people at a table. You can take down your mask, you eat your food, but once you finish your food, you put up, you put on yeah, just put on your mask again and then you can leave the restaurant. And um, you can only stay in the restaurant for one and a half hours. All right, and restaurants operate up to 50% capacity. Is that because with the restaurants and people only being able to stay in there one and a half hours, is that because uh, people in Singapore have to eat out a lot? Yes, we do. We eat out okay. a lot. 
um, that's a social phenomenon here because this is a fast-paced society. Everybody, everyone is just go back, you know, bang, bang, bang. Every day just going fast because this is a this is a commercial, um, financial city hub. Um, people don't really cook at home, and that's why the lockdown was difficult for a lot of um, families um, because. Um, we don't usually cook at home. We just go out to the fast food and either it's McDonald's, Burger King, whatever. We just grab and then we go. You know, we don't sit in a restaurant. Uh, if we do, an hour and we go and, and we're off. Um, but I would like to say that the the, the mandated social distancing now um, pertaining to restaurant is five people and social gatherings only up to five people, not more. Wow. Now, is that is that public social gatherings too, or is that public, um, public and family, public and family, private, wow. private is family, private is family, right? And uh, no uh, intermingling of family members. That means if if you got an old folks, right, and then you've got children coming in, okay, five people in a home, and no third family. So no intermingling of families, and of course, the police will not. You can't enforce that when you're in a house. Okay, so I can't. I can't be for sure how they're gonna like track that. So, so I don't think. Um, I can't say anything about that. But when you're in a public, social gatherings is up to five people, and what happens is. Now, Ben, you will. You may wanna. <laughs> okay, this is something like really, really unique in Singapore. Now there's Facebook, right? And people post the pictures to their friends in Facebook. Now, if your Facebook shows there are six people or more, you know what your friends are gonna do? They're gonna report you, and this happens because you have you have flaunted the um, social distancing law. So there are there are so many cases like almost not every day, not on a daily basis, but on a constant consistent basis like per week you will see like one group of people being charged in court because there were seven girls in a hotel room like they were having a party right so today the news says there were seven girls um you know they were staying in a hotel they booked themselves in and they were having wine and uh, you know the pictures were posted on facebook i think someone just reported them um and there were cases also of course um in other cases i've got young people like Nine or ten of them, like they booked into a hotel. Um, the hotel can't really like track how many people is in there, right? It's really hard. That's why that's private. But when you start posting it into the social network, when private becomes public, right? The police goes after you. Now, I'm just gonna say that by and large, people respect the law here because we want. The country to go back to normalcy, because people are sick of being in uh, uh, in pandemic situation, and and that's why all of us collectively, um, socially, we want each other to keep to the law. Now, now probably that is really different different from from the country that you come from because. Um, in, I, I would say that in this part of the world, um, there is this concept of 
society interest is higher than your self interest. Now it's hard for you to understand, but this is so much in the in the culture here that、um, that the larger good is more important. Okay, the larger good or the social good is more important than individual good. Do you do you get my point? It's really hard for. I, I do. Yeah, I so, actually do, and I think one of the main differences between one of the things I keep hearing you say,、um, like people trust the government, people trust the media, people in this country don't typically trust the government, or maybe they do, but they they certainly wouldn't trust the government to, like what you said, where you know. People like I, I heard a radio story this morning.、Um, it's morning here, so I heard a radio story this morning where they they interviewed this, these people in Iowa, which is a state in in my country. And the people in Iowa that they interviewed, they thought it was some kind of plot. Like they thought COVID was actually some sort of plot from the Chinese government, not to have a disease. But to scare people, to scare people to stay home, and it's just, you know, one thing I'm learning in my country is that there's like this divide between, like, you might some people in this country might think, well, we need to do this for each other and for society, but some people just. And I'm going to say this wrong, but they just don't. I feel like they just don't care. Okay. Like they just really don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I I would like to address.、Uh, I think two issues. One is、um, is this a hoax by the communist government of China?、Uh, not a hoax, but it is something like spread by the by the、um, communist、uh, government of China. And then about people's response. People don't care.、Um, No, well, and there's, I, a, yeah. there's a third thing too. I want to bring up. In this country, some people got a $1,200 check several months ago,、mm. which $1,200 in a lot of places in this country,、yep. um, that's not a lot of money in a lot of places. But there, there's not really. I guarantee you, if you were to ask the average American on the street. There's no none of them really think the government is going to step in and and pay people to sit home or pay people to whatever you know. Like in this country during the 2008、uh, financial crash,、yep. when the government essentially had to to bail out the auto industry, there was a whole lot of people in this country that hated that. Yeah. I mean that's how individualistic we are. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So I yeah, and I and I can address that too.、Um, so back to、um, the issue of、um, uh, is this the Chinese government uh, uh, plan or unintended plan or an accidental plan?、Um, I have no idea, but I do know that in January, and I would like your. Yourself and your listeners to 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 follow this is that、uh, back in January I was tracking the news.、Um, now, Hong Kong 
which is the neighboring country, the autonomous country. Um, the University of Hong Kong, um, the professors, the uh, rheologists, uh, ep epidemiologists, they, and they were the top rheologists of the world, all right? Um, and you can name them, they're, they're the top. Um, they're from Hong Kong. They actually gave a press conference to say, and, and the press conference was, was um, uh, attended by international uh, news correspondents from Bloomberg, CNN, because they were, they were asking questions. And that was already in January. And why do I remember that? Because that was the Chinese New Year, right? It's a big deal in China. So they traced, right, from Hong Kong, they traced that this case in Wuhan happened at the end of December and it's going to explode. And they gave the graph because they are the scientists, right? I mean, they exist for a reason. So they gave the whole model and the graphs, but very few people um, uh, in the world um, believed it. And they've got CNN who asked certain questions, they've got Bloomberg and certain local news, etc. But the Hong Kong government came in to step in to immediately shut down, right? A lot of this uh, borders, uh, planes, and also to start isolating people. So the Hong Kong government came in very quickly. Now, the, at the same time, in December, back in Taiwan, another independent country with relation to China, they found this case, right, in December, when it first started to um, spread in Wuhan. And the Taiwanese government, right, um, told uh, essentially it was it was out in the news that this case was really strange. It's like the SARS, and everyone has to be really careful. And and the country went into um, the mode preparation mode for this, right. So these are the countries that reacted very fast when this thing, this case in China happened in Wuhan um, at the end of December. So whether it is a case that the Chinese government um, intended it or not intended it, we don't know. I have no idea. But I do know that Hong Kong and Taiwan acted immediately because they've got the best infectious um, scientists there in, in, in the hospitals and they had the case of the SARS virus before so they have everything contact tracing isolation so in Hong Kong and Taiwan the cases are still really really low right they're one of the they are they, I mean they are the model for the world right however of course the World Health Organization politically did not recognize Hong Kong or Taiwan as a country so their model was not uh, recognized for the rest of the world to replicate to contain um, the virus. So I can't. I I wouldn't know. But these are these are the situation where the government came into to to take care of the situation. And and um, of course, there's another um, uh, conspiracy theory whether this is a bioweapon or not. Um, but I read a lot of science behind it. A lot of European scientists were talking about it in French. Um, and, and I watched some of them. Um, now, back to um, your country, freedom versus 
individualism. Um, I, I think a lot of people didn't care because they thought this is a hoax. Um, but I would say that um, in my country, definitely the people who uh, passed died from COVID. Um, it's not a hoax to them, okay? And not a hoax to their family. Um, and Singapore uh, government um, and the consequence of the shutdown of the economy um, has such grave consequences on the jobs and economy here. And I don't think any governments are stupid enough to put their country um, into such a situation. And we do have bailouts like you. Um, we are paid um, $600 for a few months during a lockdown. Now we're not paid. But it, it kind of like, it, I mean, the payment is, is really just for you to buy your groceries, etc., etc. We call it the, um, uh, th there was a word for it, you know, um, like What is the education? Sorry. I'm sorry. Tell me. What is the education level in Singapore, would you say? Okay, who is the typical Singaporean? I would say the typical Singaporean woman, they've got a degree or post-degree education. The average Singaporean industry, a man, when you just like say hi to them, usually they've been to the university, they've got a degree. Um, lots, lots of Singaporeans, um, uh, the well-off and the more intelligent ones, they go to Oxford, they go to the Ivy Leagues in the US, Yale University. My nephew herself, um, she's got a scholarship from the government to study in Oxford. Um, and then, uh, that's for her degree, and then get her master's that is sponsored by the Singapore government to study in Yale um, for urbanization uh, for Singapore. So um, I would say that a good part of the population are, are really educated. Um, really, yeah. Well, the thing that it, the thing that I keep running into myself is that, um, like, I have a master's degree in history, yeah, and I have a degree in political science, and so that's how I became familiar with graphing and like the curves and stuff, the exponential curve. But a lot of people in this country, especially a lot of older people and a lot of older rural people, or a lot of rural people in the particular. They don't really have, like, there's not really the, I forget what the percentage is right now of college graduates in this country, but it's not, I don't think it's even half. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's part of our problem. Like, really. Um, okay, let me just juxtapose your case, like what you just said. Like, let this, let, let's just juxtapose this with Thailand. Malaysia, Indonesia. Now, for example, in Thailand, the case is almost zero. But a good population of them, we do not, they do not have a highly educated population, like the mean education, the mean number of years of education. But they've controlled their cases. And uh, when you see the YouTube, even the people in the rurals, the countryside, um, people who are just like living their lives, they're all wearing masks and they're all social distancing. 
Even today, if you look at the the, the YouTube that people put up on the internet, so I I don't really think it's a matter of education or awareness, but I think it's a matter of how I see it,、um, how a Singaporean myself see it is、um, the concept of individualism versus collectivism. Um, in Asia versus America,、um, it's the stark difference how people are being brought up.、Um, if you know what I'm trying to refer to, because in a Western country like in the U.S., you emphasize a lot of my right and my freedom. That's why you've got your constitution, right?、Um, the right to bear arms,、um, the right to speak. However, in Singapore and in a large part of Asia. Your right depends on how it harms the other people. You see, so so there is a little bit of difference. I the, see the difference. Yeah, yes, the difference runs through and permeates through the whole society. It must be for the larger good of the people first, and we have been taught that myself, even when I was in school.、Um, I, I also, yeah, tell me. I I just have a another question. Yep. Does Singapore have?、Um, I guess I don't know what you what you call it, but in this country, I guess we would call it、uh, socialized medicine or our government,、um, like basically government and healthcare. What、well, what is the relationship between the government and healthcare in Singapore? Okay. Now this is a very big question, and I'm happy that you asked. Right. Now there is a saying here in Singapore: "You can die, but you better not get sick." <laughs> It means if you get sick,、um, and you're diagnosed with a certain terminal disease, all right, or degenerative disease that's going to take you years, like、um, you may have to sell your house to pay for the medical bill,、um, because there's very little subsidy. From the government,、uh, and your question goes to how much social aid do we get? We are not a so we are not a socialist country. I mean, we have the lowest tax rate in the world. Okay, a lot of us don't pay tax.、Uh, we don't need to pay tax because the tax are paid off from the goods and services tax, or you call it in America the value added tax. And a lot of companies,、um, and the tax on companies. It's really low. Okay, lots of、um, uh, uh, methods that is recognized that、uh, companies are able to defray their taxes. A lot of companies pay minimal, and it's and and people accept that because、um, you want the economy to grow and not like have heavy taxes to 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 be burdened by that either as an individual or as a company versus like in France, right? That's where I lived for the last seven years. You don't pay seventy percent of your tax like in America. I think、um, non-domicile. I think you call it non-domicile, right? Wherever you are located, wherever you work, you still send your money or your tax back to the U.S. But that is not the case in Singapore. The tax rate is really low,、um, and the tax rate for companies is twenty percent.、Um, but you can defray it in many many cases, and a lot of companies pay minimal taxes,、um, and we want it that way because. The money should go back to 
um, employee uh, employees in the marketplace. It should not be passed down to consumers. You know, taxes can be passed, right, in terms of higher prices, etc. Um, so healthcare costs it's really high, um, and we do have something like the MediSafe that we put aside every month from our paycheck into this account in MediSafe um, that goes to um, differing our, our medical bill. Uh, but this amount that we save up, which is mandatory, um, that you have a deduction from your paycheck every month when you work, um, up to a certain percentage, um, goes into your account. And you, when you fall sick, you pay the bill yourself. Very little um, subsidy, but um, there is a mandatory insurance. Your insurance can pay and defray um, your medical bill. Um, and of course, a lot of people believe in insurance in this part of the world. We will buy like multiple insurance like AIA, which is from America, um, etc. Right? So, so your medical bill, it's either being defrayed by insurance companies or if they try to deny that, then you have to pay um, yourself um, a portion of it from your MediSafe account and a large part of it will be from cash. Now, if you don't have the money, I'm sorry, you got to sell your house. Um, I think a lot of people accept that concept uh, of capitalism uh, versus socialist, socialistic uh, uh, kind of um, system versus like... That's got to be interesting yeah. because you, you, we talk a lot in the podcast about how uh, the difference between like Singapore and America is individualism versus collectivism. Yeah. But you guys are, are very much a capitalist country in a lot of ways. That's that's got to be a fascinating um, yeah. economy. Yeah, socially, um, uh, I would say that, um, and I don't want to use the word like conservatism, being conservative. Or liberal because it has a totally uh, it takes a totally different tone in the U.S. versus in this part of the world because your definition and our definition is slightly different. Not slightly different, but I think well, it's like really. What is your definition of conservatism actually? Um, conservative versus liberal. What is your definition of that? Um, I, I would, I would just say being conservative is a thought, uh, like a thought, um, like. It's a very oriental word, a very oriental eastern word when you say someone is conservative here, socially conservative, but not political. We don't, I'm not putting a political um, color to the word conservative. Here, conservative just means um, like um, sex before marriage is like, um, like a taboo, right? It's like a no-no. People are conservative. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, when you when you go out for dates, you only date one person. You don't date multiple people. You're conservative, and people subscribe or prescribe to such a conservative norm because this is largely a very Oriental Asian uh, uh, society. It's a culture. It's it's the culture here. But yet, uh, economically, we are liberal economically because we are an open country that attracts, that want many people to come in here. 
we've got a diversity of faith we've got respect of faith we love each other we've got a hindu i've got hindu friends i've got uh, my f- part of my family members are, are Buddhist, and my 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 best friends are Muslims. I'm a Christian. I've got wonderful friends who are Catholics. Um, I call that liberal, right? And we respect that, and we love that. And I think that's our that's our trademark in Singapore. We could sit on a table with different faith, and we can talk, and we can eat, and we can respect, and and be good friends, and like pat each other on the back, and give each other hugs, and we can celebrate each other's um, festive. Like like to like, two days ago I think today is the Deepavali. That is the Indian um, holy day, the Hindu holy day. Uh, people do respect that, even though I'm a Christian. I respect that. And I will greet each other like Happy uh, Diwali, etc. Uh, it's the festival of lights for the Hindus. I mean, there's a lot of respect um, in that sense, and and we welcome foreigners. We, I mean, I really do. I mean, of course, there's a subset, a small percentage of the people they're disgruntled because like foreigners are coming, coming here, they're taking on jobs, da 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 da. da. I mean, etc. Um, you will not have perfection, except in heaven, right? But largely, it's liberal. Um, there's respect. There's harmony. Um, uh, there's there is concern for each other in the neighborhood. Like I give out masks um, and I print out, I created like newsletters, like I'm going to paste it on the wall and I distribute it to my neighbor's stores. I say that, hey, this is the latest news, this is the latest numbers, um, etc. right? That's respect. Um, okay. Yeah, so that I call it liberal, right? Um, and economically liberal because we want um, people to come in here. We want the best people to be in the country. We want all the companies to be here for jobs, um, for uh, yeah, for jobs, um, for for economic growth. We need that. I mean, this is a really small island, so I call it liberal, uh, economically liberal, um, politically. I think a little bit conservative, as in. Right. Politically conservative, but you have to, you and and your listeners have to understand that um, we 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 separate um, faith with um, government. All right. Um, this yeah, is a country right. that respects all kinds of faith. It's a country. Um, our president, she's a Muslim lady, and we respect that and we love her. I'm a I'm a Christian. I love her. Okay, she's Muslim. Okay, and she's the first woman, Muslim woman, who's a president in the world. But but we don't talk about it a lot because we we're, we are already accepted it. That's part of our nation building. It's nothing to be like telling the world about because that's part of our that's part of our our, our culture. And and we have um uh, uh we have our presidents who are Chinese, uh, Indians, uh, and now we have a Muslim. Um, and and our political makeup is from various parts, all walks of life, all faith, all colors, um, and we use in, an English language is our official language. That kind of ties in. How is that okay? Yeah, tell the more me. More I talk to you. Yeah. Over the time, this is the second time you and I have talked. We yeah. talked on your podcast. Yeah. And then we were talking on my podcast, and, and we talked a lot on uh, Facebook. Yeah. But the more I talk to you, the more I'm 
fascinated by Singapore itself. Yeah. Um. So okay, so you're a city state that has English as your primary language, your official language. Yeah. Um. Is that because you were an English colony? Yeah. We were. We were. We were. We were.、Um, okay. We were ruled by the British, and we have a parliamentary system. Um, a modified, simplified one doesn't really follow the the one in the UK,、um, and of course,、um, the prime minister is the one that is the、uh, the one that、uh, controls the whole parliament. But the head of state is still、um, uh, the president,、um, who is a, a Muslim woman,、um, and、um, yeah, we have the parliamentary uh, uh, sessions. Uh, And we vote in our member of、um, uh, parliament, a representative、uh, of the constituency. We call it here. So, so it's like a simplified version of the UK version. And、uh, like when I was in college, I still studied the Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no. yeah. I mean, the、yeah. concept of city states has always fascinated me,、yeah. um, even as a kid. Yeah. But、uh, I don't know.、Um, It, hmm. Yeah, it's something for you as a historian to study. You know, it is. It is a very fascinating thing myself as I moved to to France because when I was there studying in the university, I studied one year French in the University、uh, Michel de Montaigne. Um, you know, I, I was in this French class、um, just to show you the phenomenon.、Uh, because I I come from Singapore, right? I told you we sit、um, together, no matter what faith you are. I mean, I don't care. It, it doesn't matter, right?、Um, so so when I was in class in France, and everybody was trying to learn French, and they come from all over the world, and you've got of course the asylum seekers, right? Africans, the people from Middle East, I've got Asians, etc., and you've got the. Hello. Hi. Yep, you're here. I'm still here. Okay.、Um, and what I found is that、uh, they didn't want to sit with each other when the faith was different, and I was shocked. So I come from a country whereby we accepted differences, and I was really shocked. And I then I really noticed that. In a lot of countries, it was such huge, huge divides.、Um, in many countries, even within the class, when we're trying to like learn something, like this person didn't want to talk to that person, and they're okay. And these people are of different age groups, right? You've got they are mature adults. We're not talking about children. We're not talking about people like in in their teens. We're talking about people in their.、Um, Twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, because some of them are asylum seekers in France. So, so you know, yeah, you're right, and I hope that you would like to excavate、uh, the uniqueness of Singapore is that we accept each other, and I think I love my friends who are different, and we, yeah, we're we're still talking. I'm still talking to my to my girlfriends who are, who are non-Christians, and I would advise her. About certain things about faith, and she will tell me about things, you know, about her faith, and we could share.、Um, I mean, we grew up like this. I, I don't think I can, I can, or a Singaporean can live in a different way because we grew up this way.、Um, yeah. 
I don't know. It's it's just interesting to me. Like, you know, in America, there's a, especially uh, apparently now, there's a, a distinct urban rural divide that I think is widening. But it's just interesting to me that um, the differences between even the Europeans that I've met. And even some of the Americans I've met, it, that's totally, in my estimation, you're you're right. Like the Europeans I've met are very much, um, I don't want to, like they're much more uh, conservative in certain way, how they, uh, who they choose to interact with. Yeah. Things like yeah. that. Yes, yes. Um, I believe there is a big portion of that. I can't put the number. Um, that's for history to to study, um, and uh, and with regards to the pandemic, I think it kind of manifests itself. What kind of uh, community um, are you, um, or what? Yeah, what kind of community uh, is are you in, or what kind of metal are you made of, so to speak? Um, what kind of society will break down in a pandemic, in a situation whereby there's crisis, um, crisis management, we call it, or what kind of society will come together and emerge from it? I think this will be that litmus test for humanity. Um, people who recognize that we as humans should collectively come together, regardless who you are, to fight um, the pandemic. Or you say that no, um, you are you, I am I. It's like this huge divide. Um, I think that kind of community, I'm not sure how it's going to survive. So we will see, and history will show what kind of uh, ideology will survive in a crisis. Am I right to say that? Yeah, you can totally say that because. You can't see me nodding along with you, but I'm totally nodding along with you. I, I, I really do think that one of the things I'm noticing is that the world is going to change after this. I don't know what, what that's going to look like. I absolutely don't. Yeah. But one of the things I think about a lot with this disease is how new it is. And like we don't know what's going to happen to these people years down the road yep. that have it. Yeah. You know, we just don't know. We don't. Yeah, it's too new to. That's why it's a novel coronavirus is novel. So you don't have the data to study what's going to happen down the road. Exactly. Like when I did my podcast on the Spanish flu. Yeah. Um, one of the things I learned was that. Even the people that got better from it, uh, years later, they would still have heart heart issues and, and nervous issues and things like that. Mm. I mean, you know. Okay. So. Um, yeah, a little bit of studies have come out now um, from, I think it's from India that I that I read is that um, the virus does attack the heart, the brain, the lungs, of course. And damage the rest of your organs, whichever succumbs to it, right? Um, it it really depends on your immunity, how your body responds, etc. So um, that's and, and and that's for people who are even for as, as asymptomatic people, 
but we're not talking about symptomatic. Symptomatic means you're already succumbing to it. You're already going through the grind. Your, your organs are being stressed out. But even for asymptomatic people, the damage is being done already. And also people who recovered from that, okay, it's already damaged. Um, it really depends on what happens in your system. Um, so, um, well, you're right to say, but we still don't have concrete numbers about the statistics about how and why certain people react this way, um, their body reacts this way, or that that body reacts another way. So that's not enough of um, uh, significant empirical studies at this point yet. I think it's not enough to collectively uh, do the data crunching yet. But you know, reports are coming out already, in like in in, in Taiwan, in Hong Kong, um, South Korea, um, people countries that are leading in the fight. Um, they're already studying it and they're already releasing the results and also in India. Um, yeah. Right. Um, it's, just, it's just so like, I don't know, like interesting how, I don't want to use the word interesting, but I guess how like um, we've had to rise to this challenge and, yeah. and basically like our society, we yeah. just noticed the strikers on it. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this um, before you go. Yeah. In Singapore, um, first of all, before the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Before the pandemic, did you have a lot of multi generational households before the pandemic? Yes, we do. It's it's really part of the family structure in this part of the world. Um, okay. Like. Um, you are expected, okay, to take care of your parent. You are expected um, to care for them when they're old. You don't put them in um, a nursing home. Um, it is not uh, socially acceptable. Um, you're seen as like the bad person, right? Um, so yeah if that answers your question and that's a huge reflection of how we take care of each other due to that oriental philosophy um, even though we are, okay. we are very liberal in terms of um, economically but you know in certain parts of us we are really conservative in terms of our values if that's what you're trying to say well the reason i was asking is because one of the changes that everybody notices uh when you take like the last economic recession that was 2008 going yeah. forward to to now which is another in this country another horrible economic recession um one thing that all the social observers noted is that more and more people are, are there's more and more multi-generational and even uh family households and um so i was wondering how the the virus affects that in Singapore, but I don't know that you'd be able to tell. Um, well, uh, in the first place, people were living with, the, with, the, with their parents um, or their grandparents, um, which is quite common here. Um, uh, it, it is quite rare that you've got, you do have uh, little pockets of, of people whereby, you know, um, they live alone, 
the, the folks, the old folks live alone, right? Um, because the children, they, you know, they're moving out, etc. Um, or they buy bigger houses, they move out. Um, there are cases like that. Um, but largely, um, people take care of each other. So, okay, my mom has passed on um, five years ago. She's gone home to the Lord. Um, but I love her to stay with me. And I'm always like fighting with my siblings, like, please have her stay with me. And my brother wants her to stay with them. You know, this is the amount of, of connection we have with each other, um, uh, with, with our families. Um, uh, yeah, so probably that is a reflection. Wow. Of, yeah, probably that's a, like a reflection of, of how each other is taking care of each other. Yeah. Yeah, we, until recently, we didn't really, I'm sorry. Until recently, we didn't really do that in the country. Yeah, it, it, it may be a good thing, you know, um, people realigning their priorities. Um, when, when the world is shut down, you've got time uh, to think about it. Um, I have a, a podcast uh, episode where, whereby I talk about um, rediscovering my faith um, during the lockdown etc um, that you know I'll share with you another day so thank you so much Ben um, so oh, is that you. is that the final question yeah that was the final question yeah um, thank you so much Ben for having me um, and I would like to tell everyone before you close um, for the episode is that today 17th November right 2020. Uh, the world case is 55,527,115 coronavirus cases reported. Okay, we're not talking about unreported cases, reported and recorded. And death 1,335,409 deaths recorded and reported okay i'm really careful about what i'm saying all right because we don't know the cases that goes unreported and undetected and undeclared so with that um, i i just want to uh thank you once again for having me and i want to wish you and your uh listeners um wherever they are whomever they are um please uh take care of yourselves and for me, I stay home most of the time because I respect um, the medical uh, persons who are fighting this war in the front line in the hospitals. Um, I've got too much respect for them to be out in public and to be out there without a mask, all right? Because they say, stay home and I stay home. So I think if we have respect for um, the medical staff who's fighting this and lots of um, doctors and nurses who have killed themselves and who were killed by the virus, um, I think, uh, you know, whatever we've been asked, either we are, we are asked to stay home, social distance or wear a mask, it's nothing compared to what they are doing. So um, that's my final um yeah my final word for you today okay um, thank you so much 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, just hold on the line with me for just a second, please. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you. Okay, so that's the end, right? Yeah, I see you uploading your recording. Um, I hope I've made it. Um, like, I've heard. I hope I've made my whole um, explanation cogent, like progressive. You did. Yeah, and um, I could have said certain things in fewer words, um, which I think podcast is is what it's all about. Like, you want to tell them more in fewer words, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, people hit the pause button. This is, this is one of the longer podcasts I've done, uh, but no, it's not. I'm not with people. Not when I interview people, it's not. But when I do it myself, uh, this is the long, you know, usually for myself, it's like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but typically, I'll, I'll have about an hour with a yeah. person. There was one that I did that was like two and a half hours long, maybe two. Uh-huh. But, uh... Okay. Oh, I see anyway. that. Wait, okay. So, what you have done is you have recorded it and you have, you have uploaded it, right? Am I able to download it on my site? What I can do is I can, um, I have a, like I, like I told you earlier, yep. I have a special Google 